0: We're continuing our worship as we turn to God's word this morning. It's the next part of our series of the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34, if you want to find it for yourselves. And the words are on the screen as well. Jesus says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye of the lamp of the body, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labour or spin, yet I tell you, that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Thank you, Father, for your word. And I'm going to pray as Paul comes up. Father God, Holy Spirit, that you would fill Paul now as he comes to speak to us, We thank you for what he's put on your heart to share with us this morning. And we pray you'd open our ears and open our hearts to hear your words through him. Thank you, Jesus.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you, those that are here. Good to have you with us, those that are joining us online. Uh, We pray God's going to speak to us this morning through his word. Thank you, Amy, for your leading this morning. Also, Julian. Uh, appreciated what you've said and what you've done and yeah we appreciate teachers as well Amy I am still remember my head teacher at my primary school uh, and things he taught me, the way he encouraged me in music and also he was a Christian some of the things he taught me of the Christian faith and even now there's certain passages that I can read and I remember yeah I remember what he said about that uh, so Be encouraged, you don't know what influence you may have on people. Uh, Thanks too to Alan, Phil and Steve who are doing all the technical stuff this morning. So we're continuing on the theme of apprentices from the Sermon on the Mount, apprentices. And this week we're looking at a Christian's ambition and looking specifically at seeking the rule of God rather than material security. You know, we've been led in our worship this morning very much to think about how God loves us, how he wants things for us, and how we want to be, how we want to worship. Uh, And yet, you know, we can say these things on a Sunday morning, and yet how much of a priority is that when we come into the week that lies ahead? How much more are we likely to be caught up in the things that are going on around us? You know, if you were an apprentice in a fairly large company, you'd probably be expected to know what their vision or mission statement is. It's some words that the company puts out, maybe very clear, maybe rather flowery-worded, that are supposed to show what their priority is. And I wonder if you can guess, there's a couple I've got here this morning, I wonder if you can guess who this one relates to. Connect with friends And the world around you on anyone? An easy one, I thought, to start. Okay, it's Facebook. I said it at the back. This one's a bit vaguer. Their aim is to create a better everyday life for the many people. No, you're looking very vaguer, Thorne, on this one. No. Well, that one is, believe it or not, IKEA. I accept that's rather flowery worded and not a lot of clues unless you'd actually come across that company and seen their statement. And of course here as a church at Norwich Central Baptist Church we have a mission statement a statement that says our vision is to make to know Jesus and to make him known. And you see in what we do yes there'll be a lot of practical things that come below that in the in the in the chain but that should be our aim, that should be what drives us to be the people that we are. And if you are an apprentice, that is what should drive you, whichever company you're in, to do your best to fulfill that aim and that ambition. Now, as I said, some are a bit more flowery-worded, but hopefully what we're saying here in our church statement, to know Jesus and make him known, is fairly straightforward and crystal clear. And so the questions come right from the start uh, in the light of our reading that Amy brought to us this morning. Are you storing up treasure on earth or treasure in heaven? And what are your priorities? What are your priorities? You know, for a lot of people today, of course, their priorities relate to an event this evening in northwest London. Or some it will be this afternoon in Southwest London. And yet whatever joy winning a, cha- a trophy like that would bring to the nation, it's going to be fairly short-lived. It won't be long for before the realities of everyday life come back to bite us. And so what are our priorities. Are we storing up that treasure in heaven? Is our aim to work for the Lord? Or do we get involved in the material possessions that we think we need? You see, there is there are problems in having our treasure on earth. I'm going to suggest there are three problems. There's probably a lot more. Firstly, it can get tarnished or stolen. Uh... Verses of the Bible, very versions of the Bible talk about having treasure which moth and vermin can destroy. Others talk about where moth or rust can corrupt. Some of you that are of a certain age here this morning can remember, I'm sure in the past, going to special events where some people were dressed up in their best, best clothes and That was all very well, but if you got too close to them, you got the distinct smell of mothballs. And of course, in days gone by, when different fabrics and materials were used, uh, that was necessary. Otherwise, you wouldn't have a nice coat. You'd have something with loads of holes in it. You see, it was so necessary then. those things could easily be torn to shreds. You know, our modern-day fabrics, yes, are somewhat resistant to that. And then the other side, you know, I can remember some of my early cars that I had. Perhaps they could be described as two-tone, blue and rust. And believe me, I've had some rust buckets in my time which I've never really successfully repaired to any extent, never did like doing body work on cars, don't really like tinkering with the engine, but I got a bit further with them. <coughs> and I remember the first car that I ever went to look at after I'd passed my driving test. <coughs> it said on the advert, no rust. And I went with my dad and we looked at it and we lifted, looked along this sill, and thought, That's a slightly dodgy claim. And we looked inside and lifted up the carpet and no, there wasn't any rust. There was just holes where the rust had been. And that's the tarnish that comes on many things. Many things get rusty and fall out of use. The second problem, of course, in uh, building up treasure on earth is simply you can't take it with you remember hearing a story of two ladies talking a a man who was known to be wealthy had recently died and one said you know I wonder how much he left and the other one said all of it he can't take it with you so whatever you have in this life won't be going with you when God calls going on slightly from that the third problem is that what is of value here is of no value in heaven, different values. The picture of heaven painted in the book of Revelation shows streets that are paved with gold and gates of precious stones. Now, how literally you want to interpret that or how you want to see that more as picture language and figuratively speaking, uh, I'm not going to go into that debate this morning. But it gives us an idea that you know, this is a very special place. I did hear a story once, which this is obviously not a true story, uh, but I think it brings out a point. There's a man, a Christian, who was rich and knew he was about to die. And he kept pleading with the Lord, saying, please can I take some of my money with me to heaven? Please can I take some of my gold bars with me to heaven? And in the end, the Lord relented and said, okay, you can. And so this man gets to heaven, is walking down the street with this heavy bag on his shoulder. And all the angels are looking round, frowning and saying, what's he got in that bag then? And finally he stops and puts the bag down and he uh, out over to an angel that was standing quite close, what's he got in that bag then? And the angel looked down and said paving stones because that's all gold is worth in heaven he thought he's going to take it with him to help him and yet it was of no value you see the word of Jesus in this chapter is to store up the type of treasure that is eternal that can't be destroyed can't be stolen isn't going to be of no value once we die, but it's of eternal value. As well as money, what are we filling our minds with? What's going on on the inside? Verses 22 and 23 in the message translation say this, your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. If you live squinty-eyed in greed and distrust, your body is a musty cellar. If you pull the blinds on your windows, what a dark life you will have. What's going on inside? Is it going to show through? You see, there can be bad things going on that we try and hide and hope it won't go to the outside. I remember an incident in our previous home. Uh, I'd gone up into the bathroom and noticed that on the radiator there was this tiny little bit of rust. And I thought to myself, well, it's only surface rust. If I rub that down, put some rust in here, I can paint it. And so I started rubbing away at this rust. And after no more than a minute, realised my sandpaper was suddenly getting wet, and yes, yeah, sure enough, realised that I'd I'd rubbed a hole in the radiator, and so I had to turn it off, collect all the water. Fortunately, I had a friend in our church there who was a plumber who came out and eventually had to replace the radiator. And he pointed out to me that if you get rust on the radiator, a radiator's rust from the inside out. And so if you can see a bit on the surface, it's a lot worse inside. You know, if we are harboring sinful desires within, then sooner or later, they're going to come to the surface. What are we filling our minds with? Paul writes into the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 8, in the message again, says, fill your minds and meditate on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. So what's filling your mind this morning? You know, if you read in the newspapers or look on the television news, you won't find too many things that come into those categories, things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, the best, the beautiful. Things to praise. Rather, you will be in a position of hearing all that is wrong in this world. And as much as we need to know that, if we only fill our minds with that, it's going to shape what we are on the outside. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now that's the New Living Translation version which I picked up uh, simply because of the way it best highlights things in this uh, context. You know, having money per se is not wrong. Yes, we need a certain amount to live there's nothing wrong in even enjoying a few treats with it. But it's when money has such a great importance in our lives that it takes away what should belong to the Lord, that the problem comes. And so many have gone that way. Their desire is to get richer and richer and richer. And money never satisfies their desires. Because if you've got some, you want more. And so it goes on. What are, again, our priorities? You know, I guess that for many, this pandemic will have been a time for determining our priorities. Especially if you've sadly been in the position of having lost a loved one. Or perhaps it's prioritised your thoughts if you or someone you know has come close to losing their life and has only just uh, got through that. Perhaps you see it as a a second chance to work out what your priorities should be. Is it our priorities just the here and now? Or is it our eternal destination? You know, the time we shall spend on this earth compared with eternity is minuscule. The old song says, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. Is that the way we're living this morning. The next section of verses from this chapter is in my Bible, is headed up. Do not worry. Trust God. Now, let me clarify. I'm not telling you that you never need to go out and buy food or clothing again. Rather, don't let concern for these things take away from the central place. God should have in your life Jesus gives two examples of how God feeds and clothes birds and the flowers in verse 26 of our reading it says look at the birds in the air they do not sow or reap or store away in in teams, in barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them God feeds them In a variety of ways, he provides for them. He provides for them from plants and hedgerows. But also, I'm aware of just how much money I've spent this year on bird food for the various visitors that we get. And so God uses a variety of means to achieve his aim. He cares for them. How much more will he care for us? And then verses 27 to 29, I'm taking the message version of this uh, because I like it. Has anyone, by fussing in front of a mirror, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? You can probably work out that I haven't. If I could, I would have done. All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop, but have you ever seen colour and design quite like it? The ten best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. I'm sorry if there's anyone watching this morning who's in the fashion industry that I've just upset, upset, but that's what God says. Why do you worry about such things? How much more will God feed and clothe us? God cares for us so much. In Matthew 10, verse 29, we get this words: Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. The coin used there, as described variously in various versions of the Bible, a penny, some of the old ones, a farthing, if you're old enough to remember what a farthing was. That very smallest coin, about a tenth of a penny. Uh, the Greek co- the word here, used here was the asarian, which was the smallest Greek coin of its day. And yet, the sparrow despite two of them only being worth the smallest coin of the day was still precious in God's sight in fact i like to stu- something better that i heard explained from the scriptures for that because you see, it says that two pennies sold for two sparrows sold for a penny if we turn to luke 12 verse 6 jesus says are not five sparrows sold for two pennies and so you see, before the days of Tesco, Sainsbury, and all the other supermarkets, you had the special offer two sparrows for a penny, buy four, and get a fifth one free. And yet you know, even that fifth one that was virtually given away free was precious in God's sight. Verse 26 concludes, are you not much more valuable than they? We are precious to God. How precious is he to us? As apprentices, is it our ambition to seek God's rule for our lives rather than material security? is your treasure on earth or is it in heaven? You know, I believe this instruction is summed up in verse 33 of this reading. This again is the New Living Translation version. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. May we do that this morning and seek Him. Seek His treasure that will last for eternity rather than worldly treasure that will be destroyed. Seek His treasure that will go with us for eternity and not be left behind. And seek Him first because if we do, He says, and all He will give you everything you need not necessarily everything you want, but everything you need. May we trust him this morning. May we seek to serve him in all that we do. Let's just bow for a a moment's prayer. Father, thank you that you do care for us so much. Thank you you love us. You loved us so much that you sent your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on this earth for our sins because you wanted us to have peace with you, forgiveness, a clean slate and so that you could enjoy our company forever. And Lord, keep us trusting you, we pray, for all that lies ahead. Lord, help us indeed to lay up our treasure in heaven and to seek you and your kingdom. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.